Of the Slow Spin Society podcast. I am your usual co host, Paul, and as always, I am with your other co host, Fabian. Hello, Fabian. What's up, guys? <laughs> Motherfucking <laughs> smash that like button <laughs> and leave a comment below. Make sure to hit that little, that little bell next to it so you get notification. <laughs> oh, no. Never no. No, absolutely not. Uh, today is a pretty relaxed episode, and today is the episode where we don't talk about Figzier. We talk about everything that revolves around it. Like everyone, we both have hobbies, and I feel like there are some hobbies that are interconnected with Figzier, and we're going to talk about this today. Yeah, we have like a list here of different hobbies that can be found across the, the Figzier community, and you know at least a few people that are uh like that follow a few of these hobbies but there's that one hobby that everyone shares oh yeah almost everyone yeah but yeah we'll go into that in in this episode absolutely but just before that if you want to hear more about the new crust bikes florida man singapore's theory test requirement for e-bikes riders or envy not being able to deliver any rim until 2022 then you should listen to the pre-show. You can access the extended conversation of the podcast at patreon.com slash podcast or by subscribing directly on Apple Podcasts since they now allow creators like us to set up subscription systems for you to enjoy more of our content. But of course, more on that later. So before we go into what type of hobbies can commonly be found within the Fixier community, it would probably be productive to, to talk about what kind of people Fixier riders generally are. And like who you can who you can generally find in the Fixier community. Um, so to give like a very general range or age range, so to say, I think it would be fair to say that most Fixier riders are fairly young. So it could be either like 16, 17 years old. So that's like the lower range, right? All the way up to maybe, let's just say mid 30s. I think that would, so 16, 17 to mid 30s, that would be like 95% of all Fixier riders. Uh, at least Probably. those around yeah then i'm sure there's a few people that are 40 plus and that's really cool as well and then the x pro track star is also like 40 plus now <laughs> I don't know. but the people in like the you know like the urban fix your community those people are probably between 16 17 and let's just say 35 yeah so like a younger crowd yeah like yeah comparatively younger than i would say the average age of a road cyclist maybe <laughs> Um, yeah, and then amongst, uh, and then among these people, it's like also a more alternative crowd. I think is a good word to say. Like cycling, road cycling is the main thing, and then fixed gear is kind of like on the outskirts. You know, the people that want to be a bit different, that do things a bit different, differently. They make things harder for themselves because it's fun, and you know, it is and fun. It but is you kind of need to be a little bit nuts to enjoy having no brakes on your bike. Yeah, so if you if you show ten people, if you explain fixed gear bikes to ten people, and you say you cannot coast, uh, often you don't have brakes, oh, it's re- you can only have one gear, then let's just say nine out of ten people will probably pick the road bike, and then that one person is that is the the remaining <laughs> leftover person that is in this fixed gear community. Your crazy off- friend on shrooms. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> alternative person who just wants to like, <laughs> suffer. And uh, yeah, so this type of personality maybe can be applied. Or can can be a reason why 
they would also be attracted or or um why would they would be interested in other similar hobbies or similar in the sense that you know they're not maybe the, the most ideal hobbies or the most conventional or traditional yeah. or yeah easiest or whatever and yeah so these are the type of hobbies that can now be found in the fixie community amongst its members or writers rather yeah of course we are gonna make like a lot of generalization i take for granted that everybody is different and we're just talking about what we see through our eyes of the fixed year community and hobbies related to people in that scene yeah so like we said th there's one hobby that i think is fairly self-explanatory and everyone notices this and everyone know th knows this or maybe people don't even notice it anymore because it's so basic and just yeah taken for granted right yeah and that hobby is uh, liking coffee, drinking coffee, going to cafes, any anything about coffee. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this is a really a cycling thing, right? You go before you go ride, you, you have a coffee. When when you're riding, you stop for a coffee. After you ride, you have a coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee everywhere. And yeah, I think this is really like also an uncontroversial, uh, um, yeah, take on this. I think most of you or all of you can uh, will agree that coffee is a pretty basic standard thing of cycling like linked to it yeah but a nice coffee after a ride is so good you know it's just oh, like yeah. or even in the middle of your ride like you make a coffee a coffee stop and then you're like oh i can do the same thing again <laughs> yeah, for, for me i think coffee before and, and, and during a ride is really nice but after a ride the best thing for me is always like a coke really like, yeah the coke oh my god it's the best thing ever i don't drink coke I only drink Coke after, right? Otherwise, I don't even touch that shit. But a cold, <laughs> a cold, sparkling, sweet Coke after a long ride, hot ride, oh, it's the best thing ever. And the shower. Maybe even both at the same time. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but, Have you seen yeah. that story? I don't know if it's true, but uh, Ronaldo or like one big oh, yeah, Ronaldo, foot... Cristiano, yeah, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo, right? Yeah. Uh, with the Coke bottle. <laughs> the Coke bottle, yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, where he's uh, at the conference, right? The interview, um, yeah, the after game or pre game interview table, right? Yeah. So, to put it back into context for listeners, so he had like, yeah, an interview, you know, when they have like the sponsors in the background and they're sitting like behind a table. He had like two bottles of Coke on his table and he just like took both of them, put it away, replaced them with water. And I think in the next like few hours, Coke lost I think like four billions in shares or something like that, which is nuts. Really, damn. Because I, I I saw like one hypothesis of why he did that. So like Cristiano Ronaldo generally is seen as like a like a pretty good guy, except for yeah, uh, some some stuff he's done in the past, which is pretty fucked up. But anyway, he's generally seen as a nice guy, like a stand-up guy, and it would make sense that he would like, oh no, I don't drink Coke, water, you know, all that stuff. But I saw one hypothesis saying that Coke wanted him to do that because if the Coke bottles were on the table and he didn't do anything, then no one would give a shit, right? It's just like a Coke bottle on the table, like all sponsors. Mm. But because he moved it, it got so much attention, which is what they might have wanted. But I don't know. If, I mean, it's, it, like it's not confirmed or anything. But that, now that you're saying that the shares went down by a bunch, maybe... Shares dropped by $4 billion. Yeah, how much is that in percent? Because Coke is massive. I don't know. Uh, dropped by one point six percent. I'm gonna say like that. It could just be like a general thing as well. 
Yeah. I don't know. We are getting but... so sidetracked. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Wait, how do we get to this point? Uh, the Coke after ride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not a Cristiano Ronaldo guy, so I'll just yeah. keep drinking my Coke after ride. absolutely i mean in one of the episodes uh we did on the on the uci world record uh the show notes we put the video recording of uh, victor campanerts yeah his attempt and after he finished his his world record attempt oh yeah his world record right actually he also drank a coke oh yeah at the at at the um, yeah like right in the the velodrome he was drinking a can of coke (laughs) Damn, we've got something in common. Not not the world <laughs> record, but we both drink Coke. <laughs> Maybe that's good. a secret. But coming back on coffee, um, yeah, I feel like coffee is something really, really connected with cycling. It could be in fixed gear, but also in road cycling. Yeah. You have so many bike cafes around, usually super trendy. And yeah, it's pretty common to see people organizing a ride that is around the coffee right it's like are we going to that coffee over there we're taking that route and then we're coming back yeah and yeah so like like historically probably coffee before cycling or coffee and cycling thing started because of the performance benefits with the caffeine and giving you energy and all that stuff and i think also i mean i'm I'm just like spitballing here Might, might not be true but maybe perhaps in the past like drinking coffee and being in cafes was like a elite thing to do and the people riding bikes for fun rather than for transport were also like the elite mm. so maybe they combined that or something i mean probably it, but yeah so now i mean so now i think it's 50 50 like people drink it because it's nice and it's it, it's health it can be somewhat healthy and uh it gives you cycling it helps you with cycling yeah are you more of a latte type of guy or americano i like my coffee like i like no, yeah, I drink black coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I used to, I used to, so for me, it's either cappuccino or just black coffee for like the warm types, but if it, for cold types, like, yeah, iced coffee, just iced black coffee. Yeah. Just to, just to end it off again, just to finish this. But I think the nice thing about coffee and cycling, especially with like community cycling is that coffee lets you just sit down, relax and, and talk to people. Just yeah. like. 10 15 minutes and then it's like no commitment it's just really relaxed no low-key cheap etc it's a really nice thing and then on to the next one which is i feel also pretty common but doesn't really apply to me but craft beer yeah is it's like okay coffee fixed gear and craft beer could be the absolute archetype of a hipster with like a flannel shirt and long beard and yeah. whatever. Walking but around with a cycling cap. <laughs> you have to admit, yeah, the Brooklyn cycling cap, right? <laughs> yeah. But you have to admit, people that ride bikes, especially fixed gear, are into craft beers. And I feel, yes, there's a lot of other people, but yeah, there's a lot of people that are into craft beers. Yeah, and um, so a lot of people are into craft beers. When they're, if, I mean, a lot of fixed gear riders are into craft beer, and I think this it's a similar demographic, you know, at least for eighteen or twenty-one or sixteen uh, plus, depending on where you are, when you where you can drink alcohol. But uh, like, it's a similar. Uh, you can draw parallels between the two. Like, why would you ride a fixed gear when you can have a road bike? 
or why would you pay so much money for a craft beer when you can get a Heineken or Bud Light or something? You know, like like the the, the average person yeah. is not into either of these hobbies. Like if they just think about like the basic parts of the hobby, it's difficult to understand why craft beer, why fix gear. Um, but yeah, craft beer is also like this type of thing where it's really at least yeah, many of the craft beer brands, the breweries, they're really also community oriented and like they're small operations. They, they're known in the city or the town where they're in. They, they have like events or whatever. And then it makes sense that would also be linked with fixed gear, which is also fairly like tight knit community within, yeah. within like cities. Yeah. And the, and the cold beer is also nice for one cycling. Yeah, um, I don't drink, so I couldn't tell much about it. But I feel like people that are into craft beers, they know all, like they know everything, like IPAs and like where does that beer come from? How many percent? Uh, historically, oh, it's a really really small brewery. Blah blah blah. I feel like people are really into the details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like again, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they, they are really into the details. If you read like the back of a craft beer bottle, you can see like the description sometimes or like some of the, the flavors they you can supposedly taste. Like, oh, yeah, hint of peach flavor with a hint of, <laughs> of southeastern grass ground up after a rainy day. Like, you know, like really like specific, super ultra specific flavor profiles. And the average person is never going to tell uh, tell the difference. And then the same thing can be said for like certain cycling parts as well, I think. Oh, superior chain grip functions, stiff material. And <laughs> and every average person is like, oh, yeah, can, can get me from A to B. That's nice. <laughs> Do you yeah, think, think those people use like random ingredients slash flavors generators and they just like came out with a bunch of stuff you know <laughs> it's like oh let's see what these idiots will pay for next <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh there's this there's this clip from conan you know conan o'brien the tv yeah. show host so there's he has like a segment where he goes to different countries and he goes to italy in one segment with his producer, uh, Jordan Schlansky. And Jordan Schlansky is like this really like elitist guy. He knows everything about coffee, about wine, about cars, etc. And they go to a wine tasting thing. And the person there, like who's who runs the wine tasting thing, she's asking him, she's asking Jordan Schlansky after he takes a sip of the, the wine, she asks him, so what can you taste? And he's like, ooh, I can taste. It's like, the, the, the moss underneath a log in a nice and rainy forest or like the, the fresh air. And, and then Conan, Conan is like, oh, what the hell? How the hell are you tasting this? I'm tasting wine. How can you taste <laughs> the, the, the moss under a tree log? <laughs> the, the woman, even the woman there who was running the, the wine tasting thing, she was kind of like, oh, yeah, uh, I can see. Yeah, like maybe you're right. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, crazy American. What's he doing? And it's like, bro, what the fuck? Have you ever licked like the moss under a log? <laughs> it's like, yeah, bro, uh, give me what you're smoking. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's coffee, fixed gear, uh, craft beer, all these little details. Always, There's always like the 5-10% of people that have a, the eye or think they have the eye for these tiny, yeah. tiny differences. I mean, they might have, I don't know, I don't. Imagine if people had the same community around water, you know, like different tasting waters. Oh, I'm sure. I'm I'm hundred percent sure they are. 
mean, you, you, even you, you can tell the difference between nice water and shit water, right? Yeah, of course, like everyone, but I'm not going around like collectioning bottles and saying like, oh yeah, like the Fuji water is something else, man. I mean, that'd be pretty cool, don't you think? Like, I don't know. Like, have you, have, you, have you ever drank Dasani water? It's the one owned by Coca-Cola. No, it's never. Like the, sh- the, sh- the shittiest, the most disgusting water. Oh, really? Like, like, like disgusting water that is being sold. I mean, it's clean and everything, but it's just so bad. And then you drink, like, fresh, fresh tap water from, like, Switzerland or something. Or you go, like, some, <laughs> some fresh stream or... Or just even like tap water in the Netherlands, it's just so much nicer than many bottled waters out there. Yeah. So, I mean, but these are, of course, the differences you can only tell if you go from a bad one to a really good one. If it's a really good one to like a maybe a bit less good one, I, I wouldn't be able to tell, I think. But, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a nice hobby. Imagine you just go traveling around chasing water. <laughs> it's, 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 it's weird to explain, but I mean, water is like number one, right? Best way to live forever. <laughs> All right. The next one is also kind of your thing because I used to do it, but it was taking too much money, too much space, too much research time, but you still collect vinyls. Yes. So vinyl records, that's, an, that's another uh, hobby often found in the fixed gear community, I think. So as many of you know, collecting vinyl records, you have to like go to the record store or you buy them online and you have like the big records, like these big discs, and you put them on a turntable to play them. So why would anyone do this instead of just you getting Spotify or iTunes or Apple Music or whatever? And then like similar to fixed gear, it's the feeling, right? Yeah. The feeling of collecting it, the feeling of going to the record store and looking through the different... Uh, records, the feeling of putting it on the the turntable, listening to it, and so it's all a feeling. And then, of course, there's a few people, the five ten percent again, who think, "Oh, I can tell it sounds much better. It sounds much warmer. The sound is more soulful. It's giving me the reason to live." Or I don't know, some some dumb, <laughs> some dumb stuff sometimes. And although music for records is mastered differently to to accommodate the the limitations of records. It's I haven't I haven't heard that much of a difference. It's more like the speakers you have and the needle you have on your turntable, etc. But yeah, the main thing, of course, is just the the process of having music in your house and you can see it on your cupboard or your 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 cabinet or whatever. And then you go there and then you have like a little ritual and you start playing music. And the same with fixed ear then. Yeah, and feel like. People that are into fixed gear are also into like all those kind of collectibles, you know? Yeah. And a lot into everything that is analog. Consider fixed gear as, I'm putting big quotes, but the purest form of cycling, okay? (laughs) Uh, And then you could say that vinyl record is one of the most OG form of music. If that was the oldest form of music, then you'd have to have like a personal concerto nonstop. <laughs> yeah, but... you make the music yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, dude, I do everything myself. No way, I'm, I'm paying Spotify. <laughs> Save by five bucks a month. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so again, yeah, I think fixed gear people are also. I mean, fixed gear is just 
it's like no hate is is just really inconvenient compared to what is out there right now cycling wise that you you can you can make all the arguments you want about oh little maintenance one gear you don't have to to derail your shit but a road bike a city bike whatever it's always going to be like more convenient or more give you more possibilities yeah in the end we're just having fun and yeah so yeah that's the main thing right like people don't think about like these things is that you don't always have to pick the most efficient the best cost cost performance uh, alternative you know sometimes it's just it's worth it to spend more time spend more money on something even though just because it's fun yeah that's that's the main part a long vinyl records something that is completely unpractical and a lot of us do is analog photography but before going into film photography i felt that photography in general from fixed gear people to roadies for example is different like there is is really really different i feel like fixed gear people are taking way more still pictures or things that resembles like snaps you know things that are more into street photography and roadies are way more into i feel sports photography and taking like fast corners like pictures of a fast corner and me climbing a mountain or anything you know i feel there is already a really big difference there i think yeah like that's with like the types of writing right and i think that also really depends on the person but like you have some people that are like road they they use road bikes and everything but then they're also more they they ride and act more like a fixed gear person like if you follow for example like Safa Brian for example so he uses a road bike but he's really just like cuz he might as well be using a fixed gear bike the way he rides and everything and yeah there's also with the the picture he takes they're also just like oh i made this nice trip and here's a nice picture of the landscape or something and I don't think that's that much different from a person doing that with a fixed gear bike. But of course, with a fixed gear bike, people who use a fixed gear, they generally ride within the city, right? And so the stuff they take pictures of is also within the city. And I think that's mm. like a, main, a big difference. And then people who use road bikes, they do like, I don't know, go up the mountains, go hills and or they yeah. go big crits and, and, and races. So, yeah, but... In in either case, photography or analog photography is a, is a big deal because it lets you capture a moment. And in fixed gear riding, that moment can be riding a city or with friends or in a group ride or by yourself camping somewhere. And it lets you capture a moment. Hmm. I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I spoke a lot. I was like like monopolizing the conversation. No, no, no. No, I I agree with that. I think there's a there is a big difference and yeah, the difference between like someone riding in the city, taking pictures with his friends and someone riding really far out in the countryside and taking a picture of uh a surround his surrounding and I don't know, like a nice landscape, you know. Yeah. And and then to go back to the 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 main point of this this uh aspect analog photography analog photography also attracts a certain type of person the per a person who can deal with all these extra 
factors to think about who can afford to buy the film or or afford to develop the film and have it scanned or do it themselves the chemicals and you know like all of these different things it's really so inconvenient film photography if you think about it it is super inconvenient like it's really meditating in some ways you know but it's also full of shit like <laughs> sometimes you take a role and you shoot your entire role you come back home you develop you scan it and then it looks like absolute crap and you're like why do i put myself through this there is no reason i use a film camera where I could use a digital camera that works way better, makes way sharper images, and is just more convenient. Yeah. Like, but we still do it. Because? Because it's fun and it has like a process, you know? Yeah. It's, it is not press the shutter dawn okay maybe lightroom in in the middle but press the shutter <laughs> lightroom dawn it's like see where the sun comes from because if you shoot the wrong way you're gonna burn all your film and look at the exposure and shoot and then shoot your entire roll get your roll out develop it scan it even by developing it there's so many different steps yeah it has that part of fun in it and that part of I am doing something with my hands that feels really real. When you're taking digital photography, it feels like you're just creating data. Yeah, and it's like, you know, if you take like a, like a DSLR, for example, with a, with a big... SD card you can take like thousands of pictures right and with one go yeah or if you forget your SD card in your drawer for leave it there for a few years you can still use it you forget your your roll in the drawer in the drawer for a few years it's fucked yeah it might as well be fucked (laughs) it's like we had the I released an article about Kang's Samsung right and we shoot two rolls of old portrait that was expired but it was only like five or six years so it was still okay like easily okay people should film that is 30 years over expired and it's fine you know yeah so we should both film and i go back home i go to my local lab i develop them and then i scan them and upon scanning them they look like absolute crap like the grain might as well be sending paper it was so grainy. That was insane. Like, so hard to see details. So for close shots, it was okay. But for, like, the entire bike, you know, something that is a little bit further, it didn't work, like, at all. And sometimes you're like, damn, why didn't just I did something digital, you know? Hmm. But film is just that little much more fun and in the end i was i was mad that it didn't work the way i wanted that my picture didn't come out the way i wanted 
But on the other way, I was like, well, it's part of the thing, you know, and I might as well go with it. And in the end, I had some not cool effect, but interesting transformations on my pictures, let's say. <laughs> I think I think also, at least for me, a big a big part of film photography is that you can actually keep the film and you can always have the film. You can yeah. always scan it again, make enlarge it, whatever, but whatever happens, you always have it physically there. Same with vinyl records, you will always have I mean I just like having things physical, same as like video games or movies or whatever. I mean not movies actually, I'm sorry. I should take that back. <laughs> movies are just <laughs> <laughs> but with uh like with like switch games or ps4 games or or yeah film or or not film why am i saying film again uh with film photography oh that's why <laughs> and uh vinyl records it's just nicer to see that you have it in person you can like store it you can keep it forever and it's just a really good feeling that you spend money on something you can touch with your hands yeah or you you made something with film photography you make a picture that you can it's like a physical thing. Yeah, exactly. Like when you so. do a skid on the road, you make a physical mark. <laughs> <laughs> Until it rains, gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a, so that's that, that's a big part of like collecting vinyl records and analog photography. That even though it's less convenient, it costs more, it's a lot of work. It has a special feeling to it for many people. Yeah, and that's something that's difficult to explain to those who love digital music or digital photography it's you cannot really explain it like so that they can understand it i guess it's the grain man it's just the grain bro the pictures have more soul in them you can see it you can feel it <laughs> you can feel that the hundreds of euros i spent on film photography <laughs> no but like seriously when i started film photography it it's very common that if your role is like 36 exposures, you probably have like five, six good pictures, you know, and the rest is kind of shit. Or you take your time a lot for every pictures and you might have like a bunch of good pictures, right? Yeah. But the common saying is to tell like, yeah, your pictures might as well be, most of them might as well be shit until like your 100 or 100 or so role. And I've shot more than a hundred rolls. My pictures are still really bad. <laughs> I still have so much work to do, but it's the problem with something that has so many layers and so many steps. Everything is different all the time. Of course, the light is different all the time, but you might as well not use the same camera or the same film stock or the same exposure setting whatever and everything is always so different the way you scan it is different the camera you scan it with is different everything is never the same so it's really hard to find like a constant in your work and your pictures look great so i mean uh, people say it all the time and you're being too overly humble i mean people say they look great and it's a nice and warm feeling you know but it's like every, and I put in quotes again, artist. <laughs> uh, it's like, I look at them and I'm like, this is shit. This is, this is worthless. And then I post them online and sometimes people are like, oh, that's a really nice picture. So I'm like, yeah, for me, still worthless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're still waiting for that one, one in a million 
shot. Yeah, exactly. Sunset over my beautiful meshwork. With the solar eclipse in the background and, <laughs> and Jeff Bezos flying into the sky with his rocket. <laughs> that will do. That will just do. <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot to click the shutter. <laughs> was so amazed by Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, moving on from analog photography, the next thing would be collecting niche items, right? Yeah. So analog photography... Final records, those are already pretty niche. Fixed gear bikes, also pretty niche. I feel like people that are into fixed gear and like to collect parts or, you know, like limited edition stuff are also into other kind of very niche collectible. It could be like fashion, for example, but it could, it might as well be everything that is limited. So from RC cars to small form factor PCs, uh, mechanical keyboards figurines i don't know like so many so much stuff yeah um, national park stamps <laughs> do they have stamps they have stamps and patches in in france no not in france in in the us oh okay they're usually really nice that reminds me i you know the national park yosemite yeah i until like three years ago i always called it yosemite I mispronounced it. <laughs> you, you talking about the national parks brought up that memory I blocked out. <laughs> Bro, have you been to Yosemite? What the fuck is this, this stupid word you're saying, man? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, like cool. the big part was the, the big uh, sequoia trees. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool, though, the, the collecting like stamps from national parks. That's something I would collect. Right? Yeah. I'm only collecting. Uh, fries from like my local fry shop so after 10 fries I get an 11th one for free <laughs> the best fries I think that's the one where I took you and, you and your girlfriend oh yeah oh yeah that's the one uh, next to the sea on the seafront right yeah 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 on the, oh like, yeah that, that, was, one, that, was, that one is good <laughs> uh, yeah so that would be collecting uh, that, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hipster fixie guy collecting stamps aren't we all aren't we all <laughs> yes and if you're saying you're not a hipster fixie dude because you are because you have too much street cred know that in fact in secret you collect street cred points exactly <laughs> the, the real the real secret are all the fixie points we collect on the way <laughs> we're all fixie fixie lovers at heart all right one other big thing, and you can find that on every Tinder bio, is, oh, what do you like? Oh, I like cycling and baking and traveling. Traveling no, is no, always no. there. Traveling the, the, is the, everywhere. <laughs> what, what you see on, on every profile is, I love music, art, and, and traveling. And you're like, oh, like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so, traveling. Traveling. And traveling has a special dimension when you're a cyclist and official, especially a figure cyclist because it is so easy to take your bike, like no derailers or stuff to take care, right? No hard case. You just like throw that baby in there and you can take the plane. So traveling with your face gear has kind of a bittersweet taste to it because as a personal example, when I'm traveling with my bike, 
it is a pain in the ass to like take it to the airport and do all that stuff. But in the end, I'm so happy I have my bike with me and I can meet the locals and see a city through a different angle. On the other side, I am just blasting through streets and not really looking at ever at any details, you know? Yeah. Um, but if I don't have my ride, if I don't have my bike and I'm traveling and I'm just walking, I find it so boring. And then I look at cyclists blasting by me and I'm like, oh man, I wish I could have my bike too, you know? <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm the other way around in that case. Really? Yeah, I love walking into new places. I fucking love walking. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then, like next week, I want to walk fifteen k uh, kilometers in a day. I'm gonna try. Oh my god! Walking Why? is fun, man. What? No, walking is just the <laughs> walking <laughs> is just the hipster thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's all that unpractical. Yeah, we all have heelys in the future. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. You know, you know, segways. Yeah. People, they, they, they believe they would replace like everything. They thought they would be everywhere. When Not they really. First, they, they thought they would be. They, yeah, they actually believed they would be like a number one transportation thing. <laughs> you know, like people like this that need to convince other people with a lot of money to lend them money. They're really good at making at making themselves believe that we are the future. You know. Yeah. Oh. Only the last time I saw a Segway was, I think, in like some European city. I think it was Rome, where they have like yeah. the street street tours. And all of these these people with a Segway and a helmet looks weird. Yeah. But anyway, to go on traveling. So yeah, I think definitely one thing that people like to do with with a bike is travel with the bike. Either like they take the bike on the plane and then they use the bike wherever they are, or they go track packing. Or they go bikepacking, or they just go like long distance and see a, different, a close nearby town or city. But bikes are there for for covering distance, so that can be to your supermarket or to your next city. And I think that's something that everyone loves to do, explore, right? But exploring with a bike and exploring by walking is so different. Yeah, it is so like, different. And like that's that's the the thing you you pointed out is that you when you're cycling through a new city or something you you cannot you can see it from a different perspective right but that perspective doesn't let you see like the details that you're missing when you when you go past ten different streets in a minute and yeah by walking lets you see more detail of a street but you see less streets so it's, it's so kind of slow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so slow but like you see cool shit <laughs> imagine just doing both you, instead of going for one week holiday you go for two one week on foot one week with the bike oh sounds like one week great. with the Segway <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah I, I get it but the thing that really really is important for me while traveling is to meet local people who also ride it's always a blast you know I mean, I know you're not a lot into group rides and everything, but I love meeting local riders and because they know the city, right? If yeah. I'm going to whatever city and I want to go from point A to point B, 
I'm probably gonna take every boulevard there is until I am to my destination. Local riders, they know all the little narrow streets to take you where you want to, but in a way more pleasant manner. Like, that's how I met you, right? I was, you were like the local in Tokyo. I was like, oh, any cool things? And then you were like, oh, come, oh, let's, bring your, let's go cycle together. <laughs> and, and you're saying like more pleasant ride. And I, I'm like used to like, oh, the red light, I'll stop. And suddenly I was in Tokyo riding in oncoming traffic. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really fun, though. So I'm not, not hating or anything. But don't, try def- don't try it on oncoming traffic. Don't do it, please. <laughs> that was just definitely like a new experience. We don't take any responsibility for anything. <laughs> what else? Let me think. What did you show me? You showed me bike stores. You showed me W Base. Tempra Cycle. I think uh, Nicolas too. Yeah, yeah, and... Nicolas. You wanted to show me the the curry place, but it was closed. Yeah, so we but it was co- closed. We went Kokuichiban, I think, right? And we went on the um, on the seafront. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, on top of the building. Yeah. Where you where you could see the the tourist island or whatever you called it. Uh, Odaiba. Yeah. Odaiba. Yeah. Odaiba is the. Um, artificial island that is in tokyo bay and it is full of shops and offices and yeah it is just fully artificial and if you don't know the story odaiba is basically built from recycled trash and they compact all that together and poof an island isn't that just france made from recycled trash (laughs) (laughs) roasting hard today (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you would agree. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, I, I, I like friends, but it was an easy joke to make. Uh, yeah. So I think so. To to sum it up again: coffee, craft beer, vinyl records, analog photography, collecting niche products and items, and traveling with or by bike. Those are seven of the very common hobbies found amongst people that ride fixed gear. Yeah. And. These aren't ordered by how prevalent they are or anything. It's just what we experienced. And yeah. And of course, there is others. But yeah, we, of course, there's we, others. It's like in a one hour podcast, so we're not going to do everything. <laughs> oh, there is that. But there is that one guy that is really into custom pens. Let's talk about it for 15 minutes. No, <laughs> no we're not going to do that. Uh, yeah, but I think yeah, pens are a really big hobby as well. Like, for collect like. <laughs> No, I'm just, 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 just to say, like, I, I saw people, like, I knew a guy who was collecting, like, oh, 1987 original uh, Mont Blanc. I'm like, oh, nice. Can I, can I, can I use it? Can I borrow it? I need to write. <laughs> like, nah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a pretty flashy hobby. I yeah. Think, collecting, collecting pens and, and watches. That's like rich boy stuff. Rich Custom stuff. knives too. Yeah, like everyone wants like a handmade 600 euro Japanese knife right and then they still don't know how to cut an onion <laughs> I mean that's me yeah. I have a I have an expensive Japanese knife <laughs> so, I have an yeah. Ikea knife and it works well I have an Ikea knife and it's it's not sharp anymore after like three years oh yeah so I guess that's normal for a 15 year old knife yeah but and, dude if you're in the hobby you need to buy like a sharpening stone yeah, that's true. And do it the Japanese way. I watched videos on sharpening knives with the stones. It looks pretty cool. Do you remember the those YouTube videos of the Japanese guy who were making knives out of everything and anything? Uh, yeah, 
what was it like out of wait, was that the one with like he made one out of paper he went he made one out of gummy bears like yeah so many stuff it's crazy yeah yeah for the listeners it's like that one guy and he melt gummy bears together and then he put some powder to harden it and then he makes like that big block of basically hard melted gummy bears and then he sh- he shape it into a knife and then he makes it really really sharp and he makes that with paper and wood and stuff that you wouldn't make a sharp a knife out of <laughs> yeah that's i mean is that that's a pretty that's i think that's more niche hobby than basically writing yeah <laughs> making nice out of gummy bears <laughs> uh, but yeah anyway to to continue on uh what does this mean for the fixer community what what does having similar hobbies and shared uh, shared interests mean for the fixer community so one thing is that it allows people to connect with each other over shared interests and and just like because i mean i most people they like fixed gear but they're not like completely obsessed with it right? most people not you but most people <laughs> and, <laughs> and they have other hobbies so it's also a nice change of pace if you can meet people who are into one or more of your hobbies whether it's film photography or collecting vinyl records or having a nice beer together and that's also one thing but i think a more a more important benefit is that it can lead to cool crossovers between the hobbies i think the most notable one that we mentioned previously is bike cafes so bike cafes are pretty common nowadays i mean i think like many major cities have either bike store with a cafe or a cafe that has like cool bike stuff or whatever in between and that's a really uh like basic combination i think yeah or there could be like sponsored events uh events sponsored by breweries where they have like a stand with beer and, and a keg or whatever or things you events and beer usually goes along really well i feel yeah for the better or worse <laughs> for the better or for the worse yeah <laughs> um and so another a crossover between bikes and coffee is this project this non-profit um charity thing called bicycle coffee this is in new mexico and navajo uh, nation and these are people they want to help um like the people in the community there become more independent have more agency for themselves by by teaching them how to repair bikes and teaching them about the specialty coffee industry so they have some marketable skills and how to ride a bike etc so that young young adults and youth they have something to do with their time because yeah, if if people are, you know, like they don't have enough money and too much time, it's never a good combination. Yeah. So by teaching these people how to ride a bike and love bikes and fix bikes and coffee, of course, it gives them like personal fulfillment, joy, and can like help them make something yeah. for themselves or all of themselves. So I think that's a really cool initiative with bikes and coffee, like a, the, the, this, this combination yeah it's like that really bad meme teach your son how to love uh insert your hobby here and he will never have money for drugs or something like that (laughs) yeah oh that's that's a pretty stupid meme (laughs) yeah it is really bad (laughs) 
Oh man, that's really old one too. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Like if you have a, if you have a hobby, if you need money for that hobby, and the hobby takes a lot of time, there's little chance that you will do bad things with your time, whether it's crime or drugs or whatever. Not that drugs are always bad, but you know, if you spend too much time on drugs, it can be bad. Yeah, and it's I feel pretty rare to see a fixed gear into other things on the other way you know it's pretty common to see multiple hobbies uh shared with fixed gear but it's pretty hard to see fixed gear into other things for example there is not a ton of movies that revolves around fixed gear premium rush is one of them i only know that one yeah i think there's like that one and maybe another one but that's it and But there's that really, really good comic, Windbreaker. Mm. So it's a Korean webtoon, you know. Webtoon is the Korean equivalent of a manga in Japan. And it definitely has that Korean vibe to it. So there's a lot of romance. There's a lot of uh, rich kid, poor kid thing. uh, Fights and everything. But it still revolves around Fig's gear. And it's nice because he puts, like, real references uh, into his comic. But always with a little twist. For example, like you're gonna see that one of the guys have a serverless T1, but it's called like uh, I don't know, like Ser Shallow or something like that. <laughs> Chinello P1. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's that guy? Sue him. Yeah, one of the guy has like a laser, I think, like an Ostra laser. But yeah, and he's like super rich kid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell Chinelli. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like. It's nice to see Big's gear also in sometimes like other things. Oh, have you seen that game on Steam recently, like Messenger Simulator? No. No? Oh no. my god. It's like yeah, it's it's a game where you are a messenger in New York and you go from point A to point B to point A to point B on your bike and then you get points and you can upgrade your bike. You've you haven't seen that. No, so like, what is um, it? Like you go home after a day of work and then you're like, oh shit, my, my knees are fucked. Like all of these <laughs> <laughs> real messenger life things. <laughs> no. no, but that, that's cool. Messenger, messenger simulator, is that what it's called? Yeah, I think. Cycling messenger simulator or something. It looks, oh, here. It looks uh, terrible. Bike messenger, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, it does look terrible. <laughs> but I mean, like, as long as there's something related, you know, why not? Yeah. I wanted to push on something, but for example, on our Discord server, uh, we talk about anything and everything really, but one of our member is a barista teacher. So he teach people to how to make good coffee, right? And he's into figs here and he listens to this podcast and it's cool, right? On the other hand, one other member of our Discord is a freaking jet pilot teacher. And he works with $20 million simulator. Like, oh God. people that are into fixed gear comes from, like, so different places. And it's crazy. Like, knowing how to make really, really good coffee is, like, a gift. Because I think, like, only a few people are able to achieve that. But on the other hand, like, knowing how to pilot a plane, a jet, is also something that is crazy. Both yeah. at the same level, both really different, but they both enjoy 
riding a fixed gear bike. And I think that's like absolutely awesome. That is. So all walks of life all like the same thing. Yeah. Imagine imagine a twenty million dollar simulator for like for like cycling, like riding a hotline video. <laughs> That I would love that because I would never do that in real life. But a simulator to like to like ride like I don't know like like Cooper Ray or something. Holy shit, that'd be so cool. What would it have like? What would be different? Like okay, like your bikes move with you, and you have like a really good screen, I guess, and it has like a lot of processing power to simulate all the cars in really good definition. But apart from that, it will never cost twenty millions. I don't know, but like I mean, like if you if you yeah maybe not twenty million, but like. I've seen like these VR, you know, like the VR goggles, right? Yeah. I saw like the setup where there's a person walking on an omnidirectional uh, treadmill. So oh, means yeah, can, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, and then he's running on an omnidirectional treadmill with like a fake gun in his arms and the VR headset on. And in the game, he's like running left, right, etc. And he's doing the same thing in real life. Now imagine like a omnidirectional um, treadmill with a fixed gear bike and using VR headset with like fans and like sound of of real cars around you or something with just go outside (laughs) no but yeah except i don't want to fucking die that's why why simulator (laughs) (laughs) and i don't think anyone that can spend 20 million on a simulator will build something as useless as that Nah, maybe you can ask elon musk he likes useless stuff that's true all right i'm gonna go ahead and simulate our outro then Everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog, as usual, slowspeedsociety.com. You'll also find the suggestion box there where you can tell us what we should talk about in the podcast. You can find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes or on our Instagram account at slowspeedsociety. We are now like 400 uh, on that account, which is pretty cool, I feel. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show or by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. If you get value out of the show, why not consider putting value back in, either by supporting us on Apple Podcasts, where there's a new subscription program, or by visiting our Patreon page, patreon.com slash podcast, to join the community where pledging at any level will grant you access to the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week. We are now at 21 Patreons, yet the same as last week because we're recording literally the next day as episode 20, uh, bringing us closer to our monthly goal and more privileges for every tier. Thank you so much for your support. The music for the show is Lovely Swinder by Amaria, and the illustration is by at on Instagram. And yeah, we're recording that the day after because we're going on the holidays. Yes. Yes. Well, congrats for listening after the intro. If you're one of them that listened after the intro, uh, thank you. And yes, we'll see you next Monday. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.